You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Well, we have an exciting treat for you. We have four Southview leaders that are ready to share a seven-minute message. Are you excited? Yes, indeed. As your public address announcer, I'm proudly excited to introduce starting lineup for your Southview group talk. He's your husband, the father of six, and your tech guy. Give it up for Parag Meta. At the other forward, the great designer bringing order to the circus. If you've got a task, she's got a chore. Give it up for Janae. Edgar, a worship leader, your Christmas decorator, wife and mother. Brandy Grimsley. Last but not least, the man in the middle, the vice principal, the athletic director, the new father. He never settles this doctor, Milton Nettles. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for your Southview Group Talk leaders. pay your money later. <laughs> so what Jesus means to me is righteousness. So um, give you guys a little bit of background about myself. Um, growing up, I grew up in a, a different religion. Um, we had different prayers, different recitals, different ceremonies throughout the year uh, that we would uh, conduct. And, and it was completely, it's an Eastern religion, and it's completely different. So um, one of the things that uh, we try to achieve in that um, religion is uh, peace and wisdom and kind of a, um, a revelation or a oneness with God. But I couldn't ever quite get there. Um, there was, there was a, a something missing, um, a knowledge that even though I felt finally at peace here in this moment, I knew that tomorrow I was going to have to do the same thing. I knew that there was going to be an opportunity for me to stumble again. And I did, often. And, and, and over time, that, that stumbling, that sin, that knowledge, that sin consciousness continued to accumulate. And over time, you know, as we get older, we go through life, we experience different sins. We experience different things in our heads, in our hearts, and in, even in, in the flesh. That knowledge of sin is death. It leads to death. And we can't outrun that. You know, every year it felt like the treadmill got a little steeper and a little faster. And it's hard to keep up and outpace my life and my own sins. And that revelation is, is hard, right? It's weighty uh, for a lot of people, right? Especially practicing a religious, ritualistic lifestyle. Uh, many of our world religions actually talk about these types of things and what you'd need to do to achieve enlightenment, achieve um, you know, peace. And, and you can't really ever get there because it's your own works. So one of the things that, um, you know, reading through the Bible, 
what I found in um, Paul's epistles resonated with me like nothing else in the Bible. And, and really, what that cat got me. He got me. I'm going to tell you, he got me. Yeah, he knew the law. He was a Jew of Jews. He knew the law better than anybody could ever know the law. But that law he knew, he counted it to nothingness. He knew of the grace of God and the, the sinful nature of human beings and the remembrance of those sins and the remembrance of all of the, the things that the law was intended to help shine a light on, to say, this is where you're coming short. But what did we do? We sacrificed. We made rituals. We did different prayers. We did things throughout every day, every year, right? But what happens? The law is nothing but a shadow of the grace and the goodness of God. It could never achieve the goodness and the peace of God. It only, all it did was it, it brought us to that rem- remembrance. And, and what he said in Hebrews 10 uh, was so key because he said it's, a, it's just a shadow and it could never fully cleanse you because if it did, you wouldn't have to do it again. You wouldn't have to come back next year. You wouldn't have to come back and, and sacrifice the next lamb and the next goat, right? Because it was done. There was nothing else. So even if from that moment you tried to live a perfect life, you still were going to fail right under that law. So, so that treadmill, like I said, you can't outrun the treadmill. So um, one of the things um, we had um, was freedom then, right, with Jesus. So as we go through and we understand that we can't do these things ourselves, we have the grace of God, right? We have the grace and the freedom that Jesus gave. So when Jesus came and and died on the cross, the Bible says in Romans that he died once for all men. So that means I can pin my sin on him. He put on sin. He took on everybody's sin so that we can be made righteous. So now we can put on Christ and take on his righteousness. And so I don't have to do the works anymore. I don't have to try to achieve those things and try to achieve that peace. It says in Romans 5 that, uh, I think it's 5, it's in the notes. I could send it to you. It says he's become righteousness for us. He's become wisdom and sanctification and redemption. So all of the things that I tried to do in my own works and could never achieve in my own mind, in the mental ascent of the law, now Jesus has done that for us. right? I can just run to Jesus, and through faith, by grace, through faith are we saved. That's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, and, and not of works. So that I can't boast in it. I can only boast in what Jesus has done for me. I, all I can do is now say, God, you know. So I don't have to get up here and say all the things that I've done. It doesn't matter anymore, right? Because that's dead. The old man has passed away. Now all things have become new. So when Adam died, he was the first man who, who died from life to death, right? Jesus is the last Adam. He, he, and he was born from death to life. So now I can live and walk in that life that he's living and, and walking in right now. So uh, in Romans 5, it says, now therefore we have peace, right? So the peace that I tried to pray for, I tried to make donations for, I tried to do good deeds for, it's mine. And, and that is now the beginning of peace. 
what we call um, the, the redemptive lifestyle, right? We are redeemed uh, and we are joint heirs. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, so now we can start walking when we have that revelation of righteousness, putting on that robe of righteousness. We can walk in, the, in that newness of life. And then not only that, but we can experience the oneness with God, the revelation of God, um, the, the glory, the Shekinah glory that was sitting on the mercy seat whenever they did those, uh, the actual um, sacrifices. But now we can experience that continually, living in that glory uh, with the Father. So that's why Jesus, to me, is righteousness. Good morning. All right. Jesus to me means redemption. So from a young girl, I was raised in a Christian environment, a Christian home. I always knew of God's love. I believed God's love for me. I knew I was privileged to be um, kind of in this, in this setting of believers my whole life since I was little. My parents um, were heavily involved in our church and were on staff and some of my earliest memories were taking a sleeping bag to church because we would be there so late, you know. And um, I went to a Christian school. I had Christian teachers and uh, learned all the Bible verses and knew all the songs. And my life was good, you know. Nothing had, had really been shaken or tested up until middle school when um, the enemy put a target on my family's back. And um, we ended up being kind of the center of turmoil within the church, and um, at that point, everything that I had learned kind of got tested. And um, the enemy really used believers in the church to kind of cut our legs off. <laughs> and um, it really destroyed us emotionally and spiritually. And for me as a youth, um, it built up a lot of anger and resentment because these were people that had been there before me previously and, and had poured into my life. And now they were being the opposite of what I said, what they taught me. I saw the hypocrisy and, um, and it was brutal and it was harsh. And we ended up leaving our church with our heads hung low. And um, I, I just have vivid memories of, of the four of us, my brother, my mom, my dad, and I laying in our living room on the floor, on the carpet, and just bawling our eyes out because it felt as if someone had died. That was that whole season of my life and love for Jesus. And I was presented with a choice, I remember, in my heart of do I forgive and do the things that I've sung about and learned about, or do I throw in the towel and walk away from all, all of these liars? Because that's how I saw it. And um, at that point, I kind of took the lead of my parents. As broken as they were, they reached out to some friends at a little tiny home church in Arizona. And th these people, this handful of people came to California, and they stayed in our home for a week. And they didn't even know us, but they poured into us and they prayed over us and they spoke life over us and they prophesied over us and they spoke future and hope back into us and, um, and built us up. And this wasn't just a, a one-time thing. I mean, that event was a week long, but this was a process of healing that had started um, as God used these people. And um, that, that was the beginning of our restoration, so much so that my parents ended up going on and, and fulfilling the call in their lives to be pastors. And we, we did ministry and got to love on people in that same place of, 
of brokenness that we had gone through. So for me, Jesus is redemption because he flipped the script on the devil and he fully turned things around because he tried to chase us away from the body of Christ. But the Lord had other plans, but we had to partner with the Lord in that because again, he didn't magically make his wand, you know, go like this and and everything was better. But there was a walking out that was required of us and it was hard, but it was good. Jesus proved himself as redeemer to me in that time. And then as I grew, um, I, I continued to walk with the Lord. I married my best friend and life was good. We had a little baby and I was just so thankful in my heart because we didn't have all the drama that all of our newlywed friends had, you know, and um, that was until that got tested as well. And we were shaken to the core. Divorce had never been something that we had spoken on our lips. We kind of refused to bring up that word. But now I found myself living in a separate home from my husband with my child contemplating life as a single mom. The best friend that I had had, I couldn't look or talk to. There was so much angst and our marriage was 100% in crisis. And at this point I came to Jesus with all of my broken pieces and in desperation, really, I cried out to him and I said, can you fix this? If you really are redeemer, I don't see the full picture. I don't even see a glimmer of hope of how you can possibly repair this because that's how broken we were. But if you can, would you? And um, of course, I wanted him to just, just fix it. Just take it all away. Just make it better for me. But instead, he again handed me a choice. Will you partner with me in this? I will walk you through this, but it is the long game because there were layers and layers of things that he wanted to heal in both of us. And I said, okay, if you can do that, then yeah, I'll do it. And he pressed on my part and he had pressed on my husband's heart separately to reach out to our spiritual mothers and fathers, to reach out to the counselors that we knew, to go to the inner healing ministries that were there at our church. And God was pouring into me over here, living in this place. And he was pouring into my husband's heart in his cup over here where he was living. And then in the midst of that, I had a miscarriage because things couldn't get worse, could they? And at that point, I had to call him and let him know what had happened. And the Lord used that to bring us together. And he used that because we grieved together. And he used that to open up conversation again. And that we started our process of healing. And again, it was a process. It wasn't a one-time thing. Sometimes God will miraculously do those one-time things. I'm not trying to remove that. But sometimes it is a process, and this was the long game. And then after that, um, we were able to move forward and start to minister to other people in that same way that we were ministered to and the things that God did in us. And again, the, the devil didn't win. Jesus flipped the script because he is redeemer. He will take back. He will flip things around for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But there's a cost to this kind of redemption. It might be vulnerability. Sometimes the cost is laying down your pride. Sometimes the cost is reaching out to people that God has put in front of you. You know, I think a lot of times in our culture, we just want this fast food kind of thing from God. We're we're used to instant click. I got the thing that I wanted. But Jesus is very much about doing the deeper work, right? And um, the James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Ask him. But when he puts that answer in front of you, even if it's in the package, it doesn't look like what you want. I encourage you to open it up because he sees the future. He's got something so good for you. The lame man, when Jesus saw him, he said, pick up your bed. 
And the guy could have been like, wait, but I'm broken. Why would you? How rude. Don't you see that I'm hurting? No, no, no. Pick up your bed. Something good's coming. Okay. Sometimes there's that action required when God gives us a command, right? Partnering with Jesus. If you believe his instructions and you walk it out, you just might walk on water. Jesus to me means redemption. Hello. Um, to me, Jesus is my composer. Um, there is, we're creative in a creative way. God is creative himself. Um, and uh, God's creative nature yields something in us because we were so intricately designed. Um, we're specifically designed not only in his image, but for his purpose to give marvel, marvel and glory back to God. Um, throughout my life, Jesus has been weaving out this orchestra, this this song um, that only is or it only is possible with him. First, I want to give you the definition of a composer, and it's one that composes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. Um, but what does it mean to compose? Um, there's several meanings, but one of them, when I think about Jesus, is to form by putting together. Um, and to create by mental or art, artistic labor, as in to compose a piece of music. If you're musical, you know that um, in a piece of music, there are com different components. There are the melody, that's the steps, that's the, the song that gives um, the, the piece of work like life. Um, there's the ebbs and flows. Um, we call it musical dynamics. So there's crescendos, which make you know the music louder, and then there's there's day crescendos that make it softer, and then there's just times when you just rest. And then there is timing. So you know there's timing in like measures. He puts it to where um, a composer uses timing to like give some order to a piece of music. So throughout my life, uh, Jesus has been present. Um, I praise God for my family and my parents that, you know, gave me an importance about having a relationship with Jesus. Um, I went to college, didn't do so good in college, um, but Jesus was calling me back into his love. Jesus was calling me back into, like, the purpose of my life. Um, so I ended up at a ministry in Dallas, Texas, um, and... Long story short, I met my husband. That was from Bemidji, Minnesota. So, you know, like it was divine appointment and God was using this melody. He was guiding the steps that, that I needed to get to the destiny that he had in himself. Um, so um, we got married great. Everything was great. Um, and we desired to have a baby. And I remember the doctor telling us it's going to be difficult, you know, um, but not impossible. But man, um, going through that, there was these valleys and hills that we had to go through. It's those ebbs and flows. He was creating these dynamics in our life. Um, so um, we were married. We desired a child. And um, we, we ended up having to go through IVF, and it was a privilege. And I say it's a privilege because um, God has taught me how important, how, how he puts things together so perfectly that uh, a life comes 
out of it. And it, it has to be all, it's all in a timing uh, thing. You know, your hormones have to be just right and everything has to come together just perfectly. Um, but he used that, um, that to teach me that I can only, you know, like that I can't do it without him. And I, and I trusted him. Um, I didn't share this in the last one, but we, uh, did, a um, egg retrieval and this, I'll be really quick about this, but, um, the doctors told me, um, you're, you're not going to have as many eggs as we thought. And, um, I was like, they said, let's just cancel everything. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, money and all, all of that. And, um, when I had my surgery, they ended up, sorry, having, we retrieved 17 eggs and they thought it was going to be like a wash and it was Jesus heals and Jesus does miracles. Even today, he is the same today, yesterday and forever. Um, but he remained faithful. He was always good no matter what. And then, um, coming to the timing piece, you know, you, we, we are like a, a people that want things like right now we want it today. We wanted it yesterday. Um, but God has specific timing. And after years of trying to have a baby, we were pregnant in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> and I was uh, working downtown and I had, you know, you had the commute and I was stressed. And um, they said, go home. You're going to work from home. And I was able to like rest. Um, I, I could take breaks and, you know, like go for a walk. Um, and I was able to really enjoy every single step stage of my uh, of my pregnancy. And you think like, you know, the, his timing was perfect. He knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. And um, he, you know, he like even at the hospital when we weren't able to have visitors, um, it gave Brady and I time to have that sacred moment of being parents for the first time and he had like it was so special because there was no distractions it was just like you know a time for us to like focus in on what Jesus had done for us he is the composer and we are the song we are the ones being composed um, another another part of being composed, um, another definition is to be calm and to be still. And when we're composed, I mean, we just have to trust, and we trust Jesus. We're a masterpiece unfolding, and Jesus is orchestrating. He's making the impossible possible. And you know what? I, I want to say this today. What he has done for me, he can do for every single one of you. It, I mean, he's, he's doing it. He's still doing it. Um, during our IVF process, I learned so much about how intricate life was, how we're each a living, breathing miracle. Um, each embryo has, you know, chromosomes that come together in a perfect harmony to make, you know, a, a, a baby. And so we are specifically designed we have all that's that we need inside of us we have the gifts and it's just that we need to yield to a savior to 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 create that story to create that melody he turns our life around 
He makes a way when there was no way. He gives us a purpose. We are the art and the song and that our lives give worship back to him. That's our testimony and Jesus makes it possible. Jesus. Hey, praise the Lord, family. Praise the Lord. In this season, I see Jesus as my focus. What I mean by that is, man, we've gone through so much in this season. I'm going to start it out a little differently. Um, I got some really hard news this week. Uh, from my mom and my little brother. He's dealing with an ailment in his body, but I believe he's healed. And so, you know, just as God was giving me this word and unfolding this word about focus, it was put to the test immediately. And so as I'm in the mirror thinking about what's going on with my younger brother because I love him that much, I'm, I'm bawling. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord just say, focus. <laughs> So he recentered me in that moment. And so that's what focus is about. The heart of focus is about centering yourself in Jesus. My first point is focus always has a destination. I want to talk about focus with you guys from the framework of Peter's experience with Jesus and the walk on the water. Backdrop. Just ministered to the multitude. Jesus instructs them to go ahead, ahead of him to Bethesda. He retreated sometime. He would catch up. Jesus begins to catch up somewhere between the time frame of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. He's walking on the water. The disciples grow afraid. They're terrified. He reminds them of who he is. He says, it is I. Have courage and take heart. Peter then in himself says, well, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come on the water with you. So Peter knew that Jesus was his safety place. He knew that the presence of God was, is where he felt most secure. And so in that moment, Jesus became his destination. <laughs> what I like about Peter, man, although he was impulsive in some ways, when he was on that boat, he had a little sense. <laughs> he waited until Jesus gave the command, come, before he put one foot out of that boat. When Jesus said, come, it was the word in life form. It was the living, activated word that impregnated Peter with faith. What happens when that type of word is received? Two things. You have a choice to either disobey it or obey it. When Peter got out of the boat, he chose obedience. And so in obeying the command of God, there are two things. There are both safety and ability. Get that safety and ability. Safety means I won't get hurt. Ability means I won't fail. I think somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody who's stepping out on faith in some things, somebody who knows what God has instructed them to do. If you're obedient to it, not only will you not get hurt, but you won't fail. Let's keep talking about Peter. So as Peter begins to traverse the water, I mean, he's getting it. I mean, he's probably walked about three kilometers, and then that wind picks up on him. Don't y'all know that happens when we're obedient? 
a storm tries to come and rear its ugly head. And that's just like Satan. But we have to stay on course. In that moment, Peter chose to focus on the strength of the wind, rather than keeping his heart set on the word that had gone forth, which was to come. Now, I believe he would have made it to his destination if he would have been like the little engine that could. Come, 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 come. Like, that's what God expects us to do. When we receive a word from him, we sow it back to him. That's confession. That's homologio. It means to speak the same thing as another. And so if Peter had a stage steadfast on come, he would have arrived at his destination. But he faltered because fear set in. Distractions have an assignment. They're designed to steal faith and thereby destroy your focus. Let's check out another example. Because our, fo our focus isn't on Jesus, but it's in Jesus. John 15, 5 says that he's the vine and we're the branches. If we abide in him and he in us, we'll bear much fruit because apart from him, we can do nothing. I believe the woman with the issue of blood serves as a great example of this. When Jesus arrived to her town, there was great expectation from the people about his arrival. I'm sorry I didn't put the mic to my mouth, but I got it now. <laughs> And so in, in that moment of him arriving, man, you had church leaders eager to meet this man. I mean, folks who didn't want nothing to do with Jesus, but in their time of desperation, they knew he was the hope of glory because he had revealed himself to be so. And so Jairus comes up to Jesus and said, my baby is dying. I'm desperate. Please come to my home and lay hands on her. I believe in that moment when Jesus took on that mission, healing welled up on the inside of him. Because he is the anointed one, guys. He's the Christ. And get this. When we choose to put our focus in him, what he has access to, we have access to. And so in that moment, as healing rose up on the inside of him, the woman with the issue of blood, she was in the crowd. And I believe healing cried out from inside of Jesus to her so much, in fact, that she began to verbalize faith and said, if I can only touch a piece of his clothes. I will be made whole. And so she journeyed through the crowd. She didn't care about her societal status. She didn't care about what it cost her because she could have been stoned to death for having her cycle and being in that crowd at that time. But she chose to change her focus to transform her life. And in that moment, when she touched the hem of his garment, she received her healing and she was made whole, guys. What if focus for us, look like actually putting our focus in Jesus? What if it looked like a life exchange, right? What if we began to see with his eyes and speak with his lips? We begin to see our situations through the lenses of love, right? We begin to speak life into all those situations. We don't focus on the distractions. When that happens, church, we shake the earth. Jesus gave me this closing thought, and I want to share it with you, and I want you to impart it to others. Change your focus, change your life. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for these four amazing, so, so good. One of the greatest joys we get to have here is as we get to hear people in our community share, we get to see 
the amazing stories and testimonies that come from people's lives. I want you to know today that every one of you has a story. Every one of your stories can be used to focus people back to Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.